What's up, Tay? It's Kagan. Uh, appreciate the shout-out on a Herm thing, man, but uh, I'm calling to talk a little Eli. I uh, have to say I disagree with him ending up in Denver. I, I don't think he will want to follow in Peyton's shadow. Um, and I think he really wants to be a giant, even after all this. I think with the firing of McAdoo and Reese, the ownership, Mara and his team, they're going to really pay attention to what Eli does in these last few games going forward and, and see if they want to bring him back. If not, I, I think a more likely team would be Jacksonville. You know, they have all the pieces. They have one of the best, if not the best, defense in the league. Uh, they have good running back, healthy uh, when they get their receivers healthy, they'll have good young receivers. Um, so I think he could end up there. But ultimately, I think uh, ownership knows that the Giants haven't really drafted well the past few years to give him pieces to be successful. And he was without Odell. So I think they give him the benefit of the doubt. Thanks for the call in, Kagan. You have a great point. Maybe Denver is not the best fit for Eli, especially with Peyton already being there, going there. Uh, and he, he's never been one to live in his brother's shadow. Now, I do like the Tom Coughlin, Eli Manning dynamic and storyline, them reuniting in Jacksonville. He has a solid running game in Fournette, has solid young receivers, as you mentioned, has a top five defense, and he's also in a division that isn't really as strong of a division being the AFC South. I do I do see where you're coming from as far as them letting them play out the season and see how it goes so they can figure out figure out a direction they want to go. But I do believe the new coach and the new GM are going to want to get one of their guys in, which is a which will probably be a blessing in disguise for Eli considering the the opportunity to go to Jacksonville with the team that's pretty much already assembled. But the reason I never had Jacksonville on my radar was because over the summer they picked up the fifth year option on Blake Bortles' contract. And the reason I remember them picking up his option is because I questioned what the heck were they thinking at the time of, uh, of the signing. But Tom Coughlin said that they made the business decision for several reasons. <clears throat> several reasons. So, Kagan, I know you're an Atlanta Falcons fan, so I must ask a question since we're talking about football. Will the Atlanta Falcons be in the market for a new offensive coordinator at season's end? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is your host of Real Talk Sports. Deontay Smith. You can find me on Twitter at I Barely Tweet. Um, it's I Barely and Tweet, but I tweet a lot. I do polls, I do all that good stuff. And I would like you all to reach out, give me questions. I'll give you topics, or or you give me topics and I'll answer questions. Some stuff like that. And if you're listening on Anchor, give me some applause, give me some call ins, give me some feedback. And if you're listening, on Apple Podcast app. Subscribe, review, let me know what you think. Let's talk about fantasy football playoffs. Playoffs? I hope I don't owe Jim Moore for stealing that. So on the fantasy football front, I put together a miserable 4-9 record, but the way that our, after some drama in our league, uh, I ended up making the playoffs. 
guy got kicked out. Poor integrity. Um, I hope you're not listening. <clears throat> but he was kicked out, so it was all, it was like a top four seeds, get buys, everyone else play, has a play-in week. And I, I actually won in the past week with uh, Brett Hunley as my starting quarterback, who got me a six-point performance. But Alvin Kamar and Nelson Aguilar carried my team to victory as I was able to score 122 points. Uh, the Raiders' defense really messed me over, I'll say that, because they, they stayed at 10 points where every team starts at the beginning of the game. But they didn't give up 299 total yards. I probably would have put together a better scoring performance. So what did I learn from week 13? Drop Brett Hundley. He ain't there yet. In every league, there's this idiot that uh, that leaves like a sure start on the bench because he wants to take a flyer or a chance on a waiver pickup. That idiot was me. As Marcus Mariota put up 20 points on the bench, Cameron Brait, who scored maybe 10 points in the last three games combined. Correction, he scored six points in the last three games combined. Went off for two catches, 39 yards, but the all-important two touchdowns. So uh, his catch touchdown ratio was a uh, oh I say rating or no I say percentage percentage sounds better was a hundred percent I don't expect him to have another game like that that's why I'm starting Hunter Henry this week now I've been streaming defenses all year I don't know if anybody in the league has noticed and I, I picked up the Raiders last week because they were facing off against the New York Giants who I know I've struggled all year. Now against the Chiefs, I don't know if I want to hold on to the Raiders because they aren't exactly a great defense. And Kansas City is like a virus that has gone dormant for years. And they're ready to attack at any moment with Kareem Hunt, Tyreek Hill, Albert Wilson, and Travis Kelsey all at Alex Smith's disposal but I believe what I'm going to do is pick up the New York Jets against Denver ah that's risky maybe the Colts versus Buffalo would be a better pickup although they just scored a negative three last week against Jacksonville so I'm trying to figure out the method to the madness that is selecting a streaming defense because I see the Packers versus the Browns and I'm thinking that'd be great but the Packers defense could give up a ton of yards and not create any turnovers and could end up biting me in the behind because Josh Gordon could go bonkers on the secondary I couldn't have picked a better week to face Russell Wilson He's going against Jacksonville. Um, that is a matchup in my favor as an, the opposing team or the opposing squad. I believe Russell Wilson's going to throw a handful of picks, but he could still end up winning the game. 
And my opponent also has Frank Gore playing, which is he's going against Buffalo. Frank Gore it hasn't been great, but he does get the volume to have the opportunity to do some great things. Jay Ajayi, uh, I'll be facing this week. He he's been a non-factor as of late because they're a pass-first offense, and he's in a, like a running back by committee which benefits me as the opposing team, but he can still break a big run like he did against the Dallas Cowboys on that primetime night game. Devontae Parker has been very hit or miss. I'm pretty glad to be facing him this week. He's going against New England. New England normally takes away your best weapon, and between him and Jarvis Landry, he's the more explosive weapon. But I, I, I still think the Patriots find a way to contain him. Denver's defense is going against the Jets. I'll probably end up losing the de defensive matchup, which I'm fine with. And McManus is going to be the kicker that I'm facing. And the name of the team I'm facing is Waiver Wire. Shout out to Colby Sullivan. Um, he is projected to score 106 points. I'm projected to score 110 points for Marcus Mariota at quarterback. Lamar Miller, who's been a hit, hit or miss. He's touchdown. He's boomer bust. He's very touchdown dependent. Alvin Kamara has been pretty, pretty good. Who, if I told you I started the season with Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, you would not have believed me, but I did. And I regret trading Mark Ingram every time he touches the ball now, except for uh, when Alvin Kamara is in on passing downs because this is a PPR league, much like any ESPN standard league. And my receiver spot, I have Julio Jones, who's going against New Orleans. Um, Julio, after the 253-yard and two-touchdown performance, kind of fell off and scored 50 less points. <laughs> but that's fine because I was able to, uh, to still pull out the victory here in the playoffs. Now, Josh Doxson is a very touchdown-dependent uh, option. He had three catches for 26 yards and one touchdown. That's 11 points in this league. And that 11 points is probably one of the better gains for him. It's going to be his th second, third highest game. Th third highest scoring game, I believe. Which I can live with. Hunter Henry is probably the biggest frustration on my team. Uh, he goes... He, he comes and goes. I'll say that. He comes and goes. He's been pretty steady, but when he's bad, he's really, really bad. I'm talking single-digit point totals, like one and four in the two weeks before the past, before the last two games where he scored a combined, I want to say, 26 points. He, he's, he's 18 and 15. I'm not good at math on my feet, but I'm going to say that's 33 points in the last two games which I can live with. Jordy Nelson is so is, is so frustrating. He was one of my top picks. Uh, his volume his his volume is going down. His catch percentage has dropped. I, I wish he had more targets. Like five catches for 17 yards is pitiful for an NFL receiver. I, he, he doesn't warrant a starting spot. But I just can't let him go. So I have him in the flex this week. Nelson Aguilar against the Rams. I want to say he's going to go off again. 
can get over 100 yards, but he's only done it once. And he, he's very touchdown dependent as well. So this team has a lot of boom and bust on it, all over it. But I, I do like my chances this week. Uh, Aguilar be going against the Rams secondary. If he can get open against some of those linebackers, I like him in the slot a lot more this year than I did last year. And Carson Wentz does have a lot of trust in him still. And I'll likely be streaming a defense and a kicker, so I won't have any any comments on those. And I, I, hate, I hate Thursday night guys, but I, I like Julio on a Thursday night more than I like Ted Ginn Jr. on a Thursday night. Ted Ginn has been a top 30 receiver all year, and I, I didn't think he would be that good this year because can't catch he used to can't he used to couldn't catch a cold and butt naked in Alaska <laughs> but he's uh now I do have Amendola on my bench uh Tyra Taylor probably won't play I picked up Giovanni Bernard in the event that Joe Mixon was not ready to go because he is in concussion protocol being that being Mixon Cameron Bray and D.D. Westbrook are also on my bench I want to start one of them so bad, but I can't. I want to. It's going to come down to Jordy Nelson or versus Cameron Brave or D.D. Westbrook. Now, if you, you have any any feedback on me, hit me up on Twitter at I Barely Tweet. Let me know what you think I should do as far as my flex spot goes. So it's going to be Jordy Nelson versus the Cleveland Browns. Or Cameron Brait versus the Detroit Lions, or D.D. Westbrook versus Seattle. I'm going to take D.D. out of it. I don't want to put him up against Seattle, even though if they are playing from behind, they're going to be throwing a lot. But I, I just can't take that chance because they can't control the, the clock with that running game. And now I'm going to do the perfect lineup prediction. This is what I believe the perfect lineup, like the top scores from each position, will be this week. Um, I'm probably going to be wrong, but it's still fun to do. Uh, I hope you all enjoy it. I believe the top scoring quarterback will be Phillip Rivers. Just because of the weapons he has on that offense. Keenan Allen, Travis Benjamin, and Hunter Henry. As well as Antonio Gates. As limited as he has been in production. He still is a red zone target. I believe Alvin Kamara of New Orleans will be the high scoring running back versus the Atlanta Falcons just because he's going to get those, 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 those catches in the slot, the opportunities in the slot, and the opportunities lined up at running back. So he's going to have the most opportunities to score points in PPR League. I believe Keenan Allen will be the highest scoring receiver. He's going to be facing the Washington Redskins. And I say that assuming that the Chargers would try lining him up away from Josh Norman. At tight end, the highest scoring tight end will be Travis Kelsey. Uh, he scored two touchdowns a week ago on four catches for 94 yards. And I feel like Oakland does not have enough talent on defense to slow him down so I expect another two touchdown performance out of Travis Kelsey. I expect the Denver Broncos to be the highest scoring defense um, 
the New York Jets turned the ball over a ton, and I just feel like this is one of those games where the no-fly zone will be in effect as Aqib Tlaib will be back, and Chris Harris Jr. will be locking down the outside. And you gotta, you gotta think about the strip sack artist that is Von Miller. And the highest scoring kicker would be Steven Gostowski of New England. And he'll be facing off against Miami. I feel like they're going to score a lot of different ways. They're going to spread the ball around. Uh, Rex Burkhead is also a potential, if I were to do a, a flex, high scoring flex, you can expect Rex Burkhead to put out quite a bit of points just because uh, he offers that versatility that the Patriots like to use. Uh, let's see, what is that? That's, that's, I think I covered all the positions. And that there was the perfect lineup. Um, I just do that for fun, just throwing some names out there. If you disagree, give me who you think your highest scoring guys would be. Uh, and I also, usually when it comes to highest scoring, I'm usually wrong 11 times out of 10. But thanks for listening. This is going to be episode like 1.5 because I'm going to do 0.5 for all the fantasy editions of my episodes. Thanks for listening. Once again, this is your host, Deontay Smith. Peace.